Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome back to the PH Nutrition Podcast and a happy new year. My name is Luke, I'm one of the coaches at PH and today I am joined by Chloe, another one of the coaches at PH and we are going to be diving into the first of our series on fat loss. So we're going to be talking all about physiology of fat loss but then we're going to have three other um, podcasts coming after this, one about kind of why do you get so confused about fat loss, why do people get so confused about it, another one about balancing fat loss and performance and then another on what to do after to a fat loss phase but today it's all about the physiology and as I said at the top I'm super excited to be joined by Chloe. Chloe before we dive in happy new year how was your Christmas and new year? Oh it was great thanks it was there was lots of alcohol and food and fun and yeah it was awesome so good yeah lots of parties. Ready 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 for a fat loss phase perhaps? (laughs) Yeah I think we all are a bit now. And, and that is exactly why we're doing these in January, guys, because we know that, that January can be a really good kind of turning point, start of the new year, and people kind of often want to look at fat loss. So if we can simplify things a bit more for you, then happy days. But yeah, my Christmas was great. Thanks for asking, Chloe, as well. Uh, Ace, so most people kind of know they, they have in their ideas that fat loss can be achieved through a combination of diet and exercise. But what we want to dive into is basically what actually happens. Where does the fat go? That's always a question that that, that I get asked, which is a bit of an interesting one that some people might never have thought of. But obviously, when you lose fat, you're fat and then it goes and it disappears. So Chloe, uh, this might be a, a bit of an open question, I guess. But where does the fat go? Well, when we're losing fat, we're burning fat, we are oxidizing fat. So, you know, you can say that you are like, I like your analogy that you use, you breathe out, you know, it's part of, you know, we breathe in, we breathe out, that's where the fat goes. And it's quite an interesting way of looking at it. I quite like that analogy that you use. Yeah, so so just to expand on that one, uh, I like to say that we we breathe out fat essentially because we know that when we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen and we breathe out carbon dioxide, and the difference there is carbon. And we know that carbs and fats are constructed from carbon. Obviously, different kind of lengths of carbon. There's different bits added to them as well for fatty acids, but the base kind of aspect of carbs and fats is carbon. And so when we are oxidizing fats, as Chloe said there. One of the waste products of that is carbon dioxide. We essentially break the carbon bonds that the fats are made up of. That releases that energy that we use and we breathe out that waste product of carbon. So we essentially breathe out fat, which is which is pretty cool. 
yeah, it's it's it kind of helps simplify things a bit as well when we look at this equation as well. When when we strip it kind of down to base principles of carbon chains and that kind of thing to lose fat, all we need to do is consume less carbon ultimately than we breathe out, and that kind of is the equivalent of an energy deficit as well ultimately because as i've said we we do store energy within those carbon chains and when they're broken we release that energy so it is pretty much the same as saying consume less energy than we use as well right chloe yeah absolutely yeah your body needs a fuel source it's either going to use carbs or fats create energy to create atp we need that oxygen to break those bonds create atp and then we're going to release it so if we're not going to use carbs we're going to use fat we just have to kind of get that fat out of the fat cells first. Uh, so we mobilize the fat and then we oxidize it. And then there you go. You've got your fat loss. I wish it was Fantastic. as simple as it sounds, though. <laughs> Can't always, yeah, it's always that yeah. simple, is it? <laughs> yeah, when you strip it down to just kind of like the biochemistry of it all, it just sounds so, so easy as well, right? But as you said, it's it's one of those where it's not that simple in principle. And, and the ways of... of the two ways why people say diet and exercise of losing fat are either to consume less carbon, which is the diet side of things. So consume a little bit less energy or to increase the rate at which we're using it. Right. Which is the kind of exercise side of things. And that, and that to me is a really simple kind of picture of metabolism. Ultimately is the uh, rate at which we break down carbon and, and release energy. That's essentially metabolism. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned there, obviously the two fuel sources of carbs and fats. This is always really interesting because how do we, Basically, we, we, we use both of these kind of across the day at loads of different intensities as well. Chloe, for those of us that, that kind of might not know necessarily about this, when do we use fats? When do we use carbs? So fats are going to be the, the primary source of fuel that our body use, uses because it's the most efficient to, to break down and use as energy. So we're going to use, you know, blood in the bloodstream. We're going to blood the bloodstream. We're going to use glucose in the bloodstream. We're going to go, use stored glycogen. So carbs, basically, that are either in the bloodstream or stored in the muscles. Once we don't have any of those left, the body's going to start to turn for fats to fats for fuel. Um, and that's when we start to break it down. And what we'll find is that if we're kind of, you know, if, in terms of exercise, looking at that, if we're exercising, we're going to use carbs first because it's quick. And then once we kind of run out of those carbs, we're going to start using fats. So, for example, if you're exercising for maybe more than 30 minutes, up to an hour, longer time, you're going to start using those fats because they are broken down slower. Your body has kind of more time to break it down. But again, in daily life, if we're kind of just moving around like through neat and things like that, we're going to break down fats for fuel because it's a slower, like less efficient energy source to use instead of using carbohydrate. So kind of longer duration stuff, we're going to start using fats for fuel, which is why, you know, kind of maybe slower, lower intensity cardio, which we talk about later, we might end up using a bit more fat there. But the primary energy source will be carbs and then we'll be using fats after just because they we do have to mobilize fats from fat cells and then oxidize it. And it is a long process. So your body is not going to want to do that first. Yeah, boom. So fats does does take longer, longer to occur. Definitely, we get that energy kind of less available. And then the word that you've used all the way through is oxidize as well, right? So so we know that that we can't necessarily use fat as a fuel unless oxygen is present there as well, which is why for high intensity training, when you're maybe training in that kind of lactate threshold, there's not enough oxygen getting to the muscle, carbs become dominant for sure, for sure. Ace, you mentioned low intensity training there as well and this is something that i see a lot of people when they want to go and attack kind of like a fat loss plan they start doing a lot more lists let's call it lists so list low intensity steady state just run us through why they might do that chloe so low intensity steady state is is working at that kind of lower heart rate so for example maybe like 
130 to 145 beats per minute heart rate. You're going to be keeping everything nice until you're not, you're going to work up a bit of a sweat, but you're not going to be like in that high intensity zone. And what you'll often see is when you do go to the gym or you go on a cardio machine, walk up hill on treadmill, stepper, you're going to see those heart rate zones on the machine. It says like fat burning zone. And yes, you are, because you're using oxygen, you are going to be more likely to kind of use fat as a fuel source, but you are still going to use your carbs as a fuel source first. Like it's not like your body is just going to use fat because you are working at that lower intensity. So you kind of do have to, you know, use up the fuel that is already there before we're going to start burning fat. So, you know, if you go and eat a load of carbs, you've got a load of carbs stored, your body's going to prioritize using that before using any fat for fuel. So you can see why people might think that lists would work and it does to a certain extent, but you do have to be in a deficit before that's going to make any difference to burning fat. Like if you just go and do 30 minutes of low steady state exercise with a full tank of fuel from carbs, you're going to use your full tank of fuel of carbs. So you kind of do need to be in that deficit first, really, to do that. Yeah, spot on. And and that is, as you've said, it's, it comes back to that kind of deficit where, uh, like we said, because we, we breathe out carbon and we know that we're using carbon, if we've got that full tank still, we're not going to dip into those stores too much. So you still need to come back to those base principles. So you get a load of people that are just kind of doing however many hours on the stepper and not necessarily losing fat, but they're in their fat burning zone. I'm in my fat burning zone. Why is this not working? And it does just come straight back to that idea of energy availability, ultimately. And if, if they're in not in a deficit like chloe said there you're not going to dip into those fat stores you're going to use what's there so fantastic and with fat loss as well something that we always think about i mean let's come back to that base principle of an energy deficit right and we know that uh, if you're consuming less energy than you're giving out you're going to lose weight i'm going to say weight to start with how do we ensure that that weight that's lost is going to be fat loss as well chloe so when we lose weight we are losing like a bit of everything really that you know your body is not just fat and muscle there's you know bone so like tissues and all these there's a lot more in the body than just fat and muscle so your body's going to lose all these different things fluid as well um and in order to you know make sure we're kind of prioritizing fat loss there's a few things you can look at you can look at the amount of protein you're taking in the amount of the deficit you're in as well if you're in like a really severe deficit like you're down a thousand calories a day then your body's not going to be choosy about what it gets rid of it's just going to drop as much weight as possible because it needs to get the fuel from somewhere but if you can make a deficit more manageable so maybe just dropping like a couple of hundred calories your body is going to prioritize getting rid of body fat rather than muscle tissue so if you kind of go by the rule of like slightly less deficit and a slower deficit then you're more likely to hold on to muscle tissue and getting in enough protein as well in your diet and looking at the actual composition of your diet in terms of macros carbs fats and proteins in terms of i mean you you know the composition of your macros is going to determine so much not just muscle mass it's going to determine hormones and all that kind of stuff which again will play a part in the stress on your body and what tissue we do lose whether it's fat or muscle uh, so slower and longer deficit and then looking at protein intake and macro intake that's a very roundabout answer but yeah <laughs> those definitely cool and because it was, i'm gonna ask you to expand a little then chloe on the uh, on the why behind the protein side of things as well and 
Yeah, we, we, we know, obviously, that, that prioritizing kind of certain amounts of different macros and having a high protein diet, making sure you're training as well, that that is going to contribute more to fat loss as opposed to weight loss and muscle wastage and that kind of thing. And it might seem like a bit of an obvious question as well, but just why? Why do we need to prioritize protein? And why do we need to prioritize still kind of strength training as well, I guess, in, in a fat loss phase? Yeah, so your body is always in a state of uh, muscle protein breakdown. So we have think of it like i like to think of it like a swimming pool in the body of amino acids right your body's constantly breaking down muscle tissue to put into that little swimming pool but it's also taking amino acids to build new muscle tissue so we're always breaking down and building up and when you're in a deficit you're more in a state of breakdown so your body is going to break down more muscle tissue if we're in so much of a deficit that we're not getting enough amino acids into the little pool to create new muscle tissue or to keep the muscle tissue we have, then we're going to lose more muscle. So we need to keep that little amino acid pool topped up. So the best way we can do this is to just get higher protein amount. Like I generally go by looking at kind of studies we've used in, you know, in our own work with pH. I tend to look at kind of two to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight, just because that's enough. Like with protein, Obviously, you know, you can overdo all macros and all foods, but it's good to have a higher amount just to kind of make sure we're topped up in that pool and making sure we're always kind of building because you're going to be breaking down a lot more. So it's kind of like keeping the, the swimming pool topped up with protein as much as possible. So, you know, and making sure that you're not just getting one protein source as well in your diet. So you're not just having chicken, 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 chicken. That pool of amino acids needs to be diverse. So we need to have, you know, beef, chicken, eggs, yogurt, fish you know, tofu, nuts, seeds, other protein sources as well to make sure we're getting all the different types of protein that we need for our muscles because, you know, we've got a lot of muscle being broken down in a deficit as well uh, and then spreading it evenly throughout the day. Boom. Spot on. Outstanding. Yeah. You basically, when you're in a deficit and you're looking to, you, you, you're not going to build muscle, are you ultimately? Because you're fighting a losing battle there with the energy and the breakdown that's going on. Like you said, but you can kind of keep that pool topped up exactly so that you can make sure that you're at least retaining the muscle mass that you have. Um, and then obviously if you're doing that, then the energy that's being lost needs to come from elsewhere. Right. And that's why it kind of prioritizes towards your fat stores as well. And that's, that's why kind of doing some resistance training within a fat loss phase is so useful as well. Cause that as we know is a big big stimulator for muscle protein synthesis and for maintaining the muscle mass that you have there as well which makes it so 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 important and yeah nice so we've done obviously what kind of fat loss is with the carbons and and energy deficit and looking at that we've done okay how do we prioritize fat loss and that sort of thing chloe do you want to just kind of give a little bit of kind of an overview as to the the key principles obviously we're going to expand in a coming few podcasts a little more about how to actually achieve fat loss. And we've, we've touched on it a, a decent amount today as well. But the key principles, the core principles of fat loss, when someone's trying to achieve it in a neat little ribbon, neat little bow, tie them up for, for me, Chloe. Okay, so, uh, oh, it's asking me to be neat with things. I'm all over the place, you know me. So, uh, I mean, the main thing, obviously, we want our deficit first. We need to be in a deficit. So yep. we need to be eating less than we are burning. That's going to be the first thing. And that is that is kind of all there is to it. But then obviously there's, you know, uh, lifestyle factors as well. So making sure we're getting enough sleep to support a loss of fat instead of a loss of muscle. There are lots of studies on this. You know, if your sleep is not as good quality or not as good duration, then you are going to be more likely to drop higher muscle mass as well as fat. So keeping on top of lifestyle factors such as sleep. In terms of creating a deficit, if we are, you know, in a deficit of 
200 to 300 calories. We can do this through food. You could do this through more movement. So sometimes you don't need to actually drop the amount of food that you're eating. You could actually just get another 2,000 to 3,000 steps in. And often we actually find that people moving more can actually help there because you are creating a deficit through movement. Maybe doing 20 minutes of cardio, like that kind of steady state or something like a hit session could also help there with a the deficit. And just looking at other lifestyle factors, so we've covered sleep a little bit. Stress, stress can make a massive impact because obviously if our stress hormones are elevated, that's going to impact, you know, how hungry we get, what our sleep is like, how much we're willing to move. So kind of looking at obviously the deficit is the main thing. And then all these other little lifestyle factors that will play a part there. Was that neat enough? Awesome. That was very <laughs> neat. That was fantastically neat. And it's those little lifestyle <laughs> factors as well that kind of feed into the adherence side of things as well. And we can talk about physiology all we want as well about, uh, you know, maybe diving into to making things a little bit need to a little bit more efficient. But the main thing with with any diet is really adherence, ultimately. Mm. Um, and that's obviously stuff that we're going to touch upon in coming podcasts. So I don't want to spoil it too much by diving too deep into that as well. But perhaps a little bit of a... Um, an overview on kind of like adherence and how to stick to a fat loss diet as well. And and perhaps we're kind of here, Chloe, we talk a little bit about the principles that we use on our uh, fat loss program. So uh, for example, when going into a deficit, what we like to do is never make that deficit too long. And we always look to kind of bring intake up a little bit and have kind of these diet breaks as well. When we're thinking about physiology and when we're thinking about energy balance, Chloe, uh, I do we put in those diet breaks? Why do we have those little points where we bring that that deficit back up to kind of a maintenance for a period? It's quite useful to have a diet break and just bringing calories up a little bit because I think it's, the main thing is the mental thing. Like you're kind of looking at your food and being like, oh, well, I have a little bit extra. So it does help with that mental restriction around food a little bit as well. It gives you like a little bit of extra energy. And often with our diet breaks, it's not like when we say diet break, I think it can be quite misleading. It's like, oh, you're not going to just go and eat pizza for a week. It doesn't work like that. It's just an extra couple of hundred calories a day, maybe 100, 200 calories. But your body with that little extra energy, it's going to take a little bit of stress off the body. You're going to perhaps be able to expend a little bit more energy. You might move more. You might be a bit more active and you're going to actually end up potentially burning a little bit more energy through kind of movement, exercise, things like that as well. And that can actually help towards your fat loss as well. If you've been in a bit of a severe deficit for a long time, the body will accumulate diet fatigue, it'll accumulate stress. And what we find sometimes is actually when we give someone a couple extra hundred calories or perhaps even looking at another way, like taking a few days off training, taking a couple of days off thinking about the food in the same way, in that restrictive way, you drop stress and then you can see that in the body, you drop water, feel better so you actually kind of see a bit of a loss on the scale just because you've taken stress off the body by actually giving it a little bit more so it can be really really useful in a couple of different ways to bring in more calories fantastic and then just one point that that uh, you're talking about kind of the drop of stress there and the drop of water there this is one just more to kind of uh not warn people, but give people kind of a little bit heads up of when attacking a fat loss diet that the the weight change on the scale does not necessarily always mean fat loss, if that makes sense. So like Chloe made there a fantastic point of when we're stressed, we retain a little bit more water as well. And that can obviously mess with the scales. And so a lot of people, maybe they have been following, like Chloe said, a deficit for a decent period of time and they don't necessarily see the change in the scales there and they may still be using fat but it could be a case of the stress on the body has caused that weight to kind of bounce up a little bit and then you reduce that stress by taking them back into kind of a maintenance 
pull them out of the deficit. They see that drop and yeah, they are good to kind of go through another phase as well. So we kind of like to take that that waved approach with fat loss almost where you're not in one too long because one of the biggest issues that I see with people that are attacking fat loss is they go for a deficit might be moderate to start with and not necessarily that extreme kind of a thousand calorie deficit that you mentioned before just a small deficit and then they see results but those results stop after four or five weeks or so and so what do they do they think okay let's go for more of a deficit and they see results again because you're gonna if you put yourself in a deficit a little bit more and then a couple of weeks later it plateaus and then they keep dropping keep dropping keep dropping and they get to this point where they're they're barely eating they're feeling beaten up their training suffers, their energy suffers, their recovery suffers, and they're still not necessarily seeing the progress. There's so much stress that the body is under that they can't necessarily um, cope. So it's so, so important to do that. And that's obviously something that we will talk about when we get to a couple of the other podcasts. I know we've got a uh, fat loss versus performance podcast that will dive into that a lot about whether or not you have to choose between fat loss. Can you still perform when you're in a deficit? And how to do that as a little bit of a teaser there for you guys. Uh, yeah, Chloe, I think that that pretty much rounds it up. It's quite a nice intro, I guess, to fat loss before we dive into the other ones. Was there anything else that you wanted us to to dive into before we wrap this up? I think no. I think I think we've been pretty pretty good covering a lot of stuff. The only thing I would say is like you know, with this time of year, everyone's going into maybe, well, not everyone, but some people are choosing to go into fat loss phases. Uh, and it is just, like you said, it's not going into that kind of full send thousand calorie deficit. Like it doesn't have to be everything straight away. Nice and like the slower, the better, because it is the things that are going to come with a fat loss phase of fatigue and stress. And that's, and obviously loss of muscle mass and things like that. We don't need to go full send into it. So it is taking it a little bit slower, a little bit steadier. Always, always like be on the highest calories you possibly can when you are dieting. Obviously, if you're working with us on like one of our fat loss programs, we're not going to put you on a severe deficit. We're going to make sure that you are in the best position for you. You know, it's better to take it nice and steady and always be on the highest calories you can. When we were talking about diet breaks just now, I just thought of one of my clients who we put on a diet break. We increased her calories because she'd plateaued we actually brought her calories up by about 200 and she just started losing more weight. And she's now on higher calories than she was when she started her diet. So I think it's just important to remember that like tools like that, when we use those, people often freak out and think I'm going to put a load of weight back on. But actually like tools like that can be very useful. And we talk about being a deficit, but sometimes it's not, it is a deficit, but it's not always as simple as that. There are other tactics you can use. So yeah, but that's why you need to listen to your coach and trust your coach as well if you are following yeah. a plan. <laughs> and that trust is a huge one as well because like you said, I've had a couple of situations similar to that as well where I've had clients kind of come to me and they've been trying to achieve fat loss for so long but they've reduced their calories to that point where that kind of metabolic adaptation has occurred so that they're not seeing that progress and just a little bump up of the cows, you see quite a huge impact and and we ended up um with my client just taking it up week on week on week on week just by 100 200 calories so we kind of got to a point where they were still seeing weight loss but they felt so much more energized and that side of things so that is kind of the goal with these these next few podcasts is to help educate you guys on on how to achieve that of course and and apply that to your own kind of fat loss goals fat loss phases so that you're not making the same mistakes that that so many make in the past but yeah awesome chloe 
It's been fantastic chatting to you about fat loss. I love it. I could do it all day, uh, but I think we'll call it there, guys. So as I said, this is the first of a little fat loss season that we're doing. It's our first podcast of 2023 as well. So we've got loads more planned in the coming year. We're going to be trying getting out a couple of week and one that will drop on a Monday that will be more kind of similar to this, where we'll look at a different topic, maybe a bit more longer form. And then on Thursdays, we're going to try and get out some bonus episodes for you as well. So they might be Q&As from clients, they might be Q&As from just on Instagram, recent research reviews, that kind of thing. Just trying to get as much value to you guys, the listeners, as possible. So if ever there's anything that you want us to chat about on these podcasts, then please do let us know. Get in touch with us either via the website or via our Instagram page. Reach out to me and Chloe whenever as well. Chloe, do you want to give a plug for your Instagram? Why not, eh? Yeah, so my Instagram is at ChloeZalt93. And we also have the uh, female side of things, which is at the Female Performance Project. So come and check us out. We've got lots of female-related content as well, especially loads of things on diets and stuff like that and diet culture and stuff. So come check us out. Fantastic. And you can find me at Hallmighty Nutrition and around and about on the PH Nutrition pages. But for now, I think we're going to leave it there. Guys, thanks for listening and we will see you in the next one. 